Welcome to Meanwhile in the Future. I'm Rose, and as always, I'm your host. Unlike always, I have sort of lost my voice, so I apologize. You'll have to hear me be a little raspy this week. Meanwhile in the Future is a podcast about the future. We start every episode with a trip to the future, and then I call up some experts to see how that future might actually go down. Let's start this episode in the year 2057. future, the borders between countries still exist, but the security at those borders has been taken over by a single independent organization. So instead of there being the U.S. Customs and Border Protection and the Canadian Border Service Agency and the Australian Border Force and the Vietnam Border Defense Force and the Pakistan Rangers and the Malaysian Maritime Enforcement Agency, and you get the idea. There would just be one entity responsible for moving people and goods across all borders in the world. I don't think that there's actually anything like terribly outlandish with the idea. What's hard is getting a policy in place that multiple stakeholders can agree to. That's Madeline Ashby. And I am a futurist and a science fiction writer. She says that if something like this were to happen, it would be driven by whichever country wanted the most secure borders and wanted to make the most money designing those borders. The, the big stumbling block or the big hurdle there would be getting would be getting the same style of security everywhere. In this hypothetical future world, all the border checkpoints would be the same, which means that whoever makes those checkpoints is going to be very rich. You know, all of the technologies that you deal with at the airport and all of the technologies that you deal with anytime you go through a border checkpoint were at one point demonstrated on um, a trade show floor, probably in Las Vegas. Um, there's a huge security economy. And one of the reasons that you know, security continues to escalate is because those companies need to keep making money. <laughs> Does Sony get a monopoly on on the cameras? Does Diebold get a monopoly on the scanner? Does uh, who gets to produce the, the touch screens? But let's back up a bit. The idea that one entity could take over all borders might sound a little crazy, but it does have some precedent. Even in Canada and the U.S., there's a the Niagara Falls bridges are run by the Niagara Falls Bridge Commission, which is neither an American nor a Canadian organization, but a joint, jointly run organization that owns the bridges, that manages their security separately. Um, and then U.S. and Canadian customs just rent the checkpoints. So conceivably, right, it takes like two more rounds of privatization that those things are just wholly 
independently run by some entity that is neither American nor Canadian. That's Tim Malley, and this is Emily Horn. The the idea of harmonizing under one agency is sort of what happened in, in the U.S. with the Department of Homeland Security, right? So it used to be 22 different agencies, and they all came under the same umbrella. Malley and Horn created a design studio called Border Town that explored the weird, idiosyncratic borders that humans have created. Places like Barl Hertog, where if you shift your chair from one side of a cafe to the other, you actually cross a border. I think there's kind of a high-order high, high conception of what a border is. And there's pretty like firm lines in the sand drawn on maps. And there's like guards that control them and people pass in and out and they're sort of standardized rules. But what actually happens, because, you know, the earth is messy and culture is weird, is like there's all these very, very strange places uh, that happen at borders. The idea of creating a single entity to smooth border crossings might seem like a way to guarantee efficiency. But if Mally and Horn learned anything from Border Town, it's that there will always be hiccups, you could call them. Like, I feel like even if there was some kind of standardized system, you would discover that this this standardized blanket system did not result in a standardized blanket situation. That would be my guess. Also, that there would be un, unanticipated results, like... Um, when when DHS took over for these 22 different agencies, one of the things that they took over is uh, animal and plant inspection services. But that became much less of a priority than making sure that terrorists didn't cross the border. So that resulted in like the price of food increasing because more pests were getting into the United States and affecting crops. So take, for example, how things might change at smaller borders, where border guards are sometimes part of the community. They used to uh, post border services agents, particularly to like small towns. So say like smaller towns on the the Canada-U.S. border. They used to post agents to there and leave them there for years and years and years. So they would really like put down roots in that community. One of the things that happened post 9-11 is they stopped doing that. So they would circulate people in and out um, more quickly with the idea being that that would prevent like the community from sort of getting to know the border agent in a way that would allow them to like make deals with that person say (laughs) or have a relationship that might allow for like people to cross in a way that that was not just like oh that's Earl Earl crosses every day (laughs) how's it going Earl go on through so I think uh, this idea that one agency would take over all of the borders of the world might mean that that kind of thing would happen more often, which I think does actually change your relationship to to border crossing. It becomes less of uh, a personal relationship and more of a relationship with an, <laughs> an enormous entity. Or maybe instead of a relationship with an entity, you'd build a relationship, or at least a familiarity, with a machine. We already see a lack of humanity there, so I'm waiting for us to see just a lack of humans. And that's already happening. If you go through certain checkpoints now, it's if you're a citizen of that country, you often start by sliding your passport and talking with a machine and going through a really... Um, fairly low stress process that's very much like checking out your own groceries. 
And when it comes to passports, since they'd be issued and regulated by this independent agency, that agency might now be able to dictate where people can go or where they can't go. There's a site called passportindex.org that where you can rank passports by their power rank. So that will tell you how many countries that you can enter if you are a holder of that passport without having to have a special visa. Having the ability to travel where you want is something that right now people who have those sort of more powerful passports uh, have the ability to enjoy right now. But... Um, if the scenario changed and everyone had the same type of passport, um, that might seriously alter the way that people thought about themselves and their ability to freely travel the world. Um, and does that mean that they become less connected or more connected to the place where they came from if they're suddenly more free to, to travel where they wish to go? The cynic in me suspects that there would still be tears, but the tears would be less by accident of birth and more by various ways of being legibly safe. Which means that you could create mythical little Narnias of countries that don't properly exist um, and, and locations that don't properly exist. Maybe they're not even countries. They're just sort of you know sets of coordinates um, and grid patterns that you can say like, hey, people from – People from you know these areas don't get to don't get to leave or don't get to travel as freely as others do, and slowly everyone forgets about them, and forgets that they exist because they don't produce anything that leaves, and they don't and people aren't allowed to come in. Um, so it's the the potential for complete isolation is really fascinating. Um, you could get you know instead of instead of black site prisons everywhere, you could just get you know one country that does it all. Now, we've mostly been focusing on travelers like you or me, people who might be going to a conference or a wedding or on vacation. But in reality, countries really don't care about how comfortable or efficient our border crossing is. For the most part, at the policy level, the people stuff is minor. Like if we if we get delayed by half an hour for whatever reason, racism or just like we're legitimately shady characters or a border guard gets bored and wants to talk about Titanic. That doesn't really make that big a difference to like the nation's economy. But if, if parts on their way to a, a factory get delayed, it's a huge problem and like costs billions. And, and so that's where all of the fights are happening at a policy level. For example, during the course of being built, a car manufactured in the Detroit-Windsor region crosses the U.S.-Canada border about seven times. Any delay costs those car companies a whole lot of money. And when it comes to standardizing that, Ashby thinks that we'll see a whole lot more use of sensors and machines talking to one another. I think it's a field where the Internet of Things can really change a lot of things, um, so to speak. Um, I think it's a future where... um, smarter materials or materials and goods that sort of broadcast their data and tell people as they cross a checkpoint will inevitably be inevitably become the norm. And this is where we come back to some of the surveillance topics we've tackled before on the show. If there was a worldwide entity monitoring and securing all of the borders, that means that there's a worldwide entity that has to have a whole lot of information about every single person who ever crosses any border. 
And that database probably includes everything from your face print, to your fingerprints, to your retina scan, to information about your travel habits, your job, and your family. All in one place. Which is a little bit terrifying. It is terrifying, and it's exactly what they want, I think. I think it's exactly what a lot of what a lot of professionals want, aside from all of the infosec pro- professionals who, who realize that this is a terrible idea and say like, oh my God, the moment that you create this, it's, the moment you create this, it's a, it's a honeypot, right? It's the bet. It's, it also is the big retirement score of data theft. <laughs> so this kind of standard border situation could be a boon for industry and for data thieves. But depending on the actual implementation of the plan, how exactly the borders are controlled, and by who, all sorts of things could happen. There are a lot of other weird border situations that I would be interested to see, like wh- how they would change in in this f- future. And those kind of border town things are really dependent on on how strict the security is. So we also encountered in Europe a bunch of border towns where the border towns just died as soon as the EU's f- was formed because people no longer had to stop at the border. They could just drive through. And so suddenly all of these towns that used to cater to people who were like at a natural pausing point on their journey as they went from France to Switzerland to, at, to wherever, suddenly all those towns had no more business and they just died out. And so there's all these ghost towns that mark where the checkpoints used to be. For more on borders, border security, and what might happen if all of that was handled by a single agency, head to gizmodo.com, where we'll post links and more information. Meanwhile, In the Future is a podcast from Gizmodo. It's produced by me, Rose Eveleth. The intro music is by Asura, and the outro music is by Broke for Free. Special thanks this week to Brent Rose. To hear more possible futures, you can check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever podcast listening app you happen to use. If you want to suggest a future that we should take on, send us a note on Twitter, Facebook, or by email at overthinkingit at gizmodo.com. We love hearing your ideas. That's all for this future. Come back next week and we'll travel to a new one.